Stephen Downward, school's team lead. Dr Brian Murray, consultant psychologist and clinical lead. Natalie Chalamari, Wellbeing Solutions Manager. Andrea Chambers, Chief Executive Officer. Annabel Ennett, Head of Services. Okay, why is Mental Health Awareness Week important? So Mental Health Awareness Week is very important because it helps people to be able to talk about how they're feeling and use the words that go with that. So if someone is feeling low or feeling anxious, that they're able to say the words that actually convey that that is a difficult time for them at the moment and then it's a way for everybody to get involved in talking about that as we know that mental health affects everyone. Yes, it's a really good platform to you know, empower people up in that particular week. Like we want to do it every day, but that week is a really good platform to elevate the awareness around mental health. Yeah, and from the charity's perspective, it gives us a chance to talk about the work we're doing every day. Yeah, I think for me, it's it's a new platform to be able to talk about mental health. Obviously, we're going in and doing sessions in, in the various different services we provide, but to do it in a more fun um, and engaging and interactive way, you're actually reaching people that we wouldn't necessarily reach through our normal services, which I think is great. I think in schools as well, we, we've obviously seen an increase in, in number of referrals and this week just allows us to talk about it. But also as well, like Annabelle said, we can do some initiatives that are a little bit more fun and a little bit more engaging um, and actually bring that awareness because, um, you know, the service is so important. So yeah. Mm. The theme this year is anxiety. What does that actually mean? How do we recognise it? And does anxiety affect some types of people more than others? So I guess, first of all, lots of people can feel anxious at different points in their life. Um, So feeling anxious is usually where we feel that the demands put upon us are bigger than what we perceive as our ability to cope with that. So then we might notice things like our heart racing, feeling a bit out of breath, um, headaches, um, stomach issues, uh, you could notice that and other people could notice that. So when that becomes anxiety is where that's been going on for quite a long time and it starts to impact maybe home or school or your relationships and where that's been going on for quite a while. Um, it really can affect anyone at any age, um, particularly if you think about panic. That can come out of anywhere um, and it can start and then someone seems to be worried about those symptoms that I've just described Um, So it doesn't have to be a particular person, particular background. It can affect anyone at any point of their life. Brian, what would you say is the most common causes of anxiety? Um, There's lots of different causes that can make people feel anxious. In terms of what then makes that become anxiety, is usually where people have been trying to do something to cope. Sometimes they've been trying to ignore it. They've been trying to do practical things and usually it's where those things they've been trying to do to help themselves haven't been working and so things build and build and then that then develops into anxiety. So that can be life stresses, different changes that are going on around them um, or different things that are just an overload for that person. I think in schools we we try and deal with, with worry, you know, before it develops into anxiety. So... This this year and, and the previous year, in fact, it has been our highest topic of referrals, if that makes sense. It's it's our, our most referred category around worry or anxiety. What we often find is that it's not, not anxiety and it is worry. And our role is there to try and support them, young people, to try and deal with that. But if that's left or, you know, it is just ignored, then there is a chance that that might 
you know, move into anxiety. So we just need to be careful there to try and work with these young people, give them the tools and techniques that they can to try and help them before, you know, things develop further. And when, when we are training, um, whether it be in the workplace or in the community, we do go through spotting the signs and, and like Brian touched on then, how that can have a physical impact. Um, and we also advise and provide techniques and strategies just like you do with the school, Steve, that um, we can take back to the workplace and our mental health first aiders are trained with this as well. So it's really important that we try and capture everybody in the community to make them aware so they can look out for those and help people. What does good mental health mean to you? Oh, well, good mental health, I guess, means something different to everybody. To me, it means feeling able to cope with, with my work, feeling happy and secure in my home life and at peace with myself, able to go out in the sunshine and enjoy the beautiful place we live, good work-life balance, walking the dog, reading, all of those things that make me feel content within myself are what support my mental health. Mm, I think largely the same for, for most of us in, in fairness. It's when you feel like you've got a good balance with everything in your life and you feel like you're as in control as we possibly can be of, of all the external factors that can affect that. Um, and then it's the key is doing the things you enjoy to try and keep that positive as well. So and, and, and keeping that going, even if something starts to slip, you know, maybe you're starting to get busier at work will take a bit more time, especially now the days are longer, the evenings are lighter, you know, to get out, enjoy the fresh air um, and, and to just give yourself a bit of space from what may be difficult um, at any time. I think good mental health for me is personally is is doing the basics right. So it's getting enough sleep, it's eating well, it's making sure we're staying hydrated. Because and it might it might sound very basic, but I find if any of them are off kilter, then things start to slip. If I'm tired, my my work might be impacted. Um, you know, if I'm if if you're not eating well, you know, we don't feel great. And ultimately as well, you know, trying to put things into perspective as best we can. You know, when we're going through tough situations, um, that could just be a bad day or a bad week. And sometimes we just have to accept that and knowing that time will will actually hopefully heal that. So I, I really agree with Steve there on the idea of doing the things that you can do to help you to manage. Um, and there's sometimes a pressure that you should feel happy so that it should be an amazing day and everything should feel really positive. Uh, but actually, generally speaking, the idea of good mental health is actually if life throws the things at you that it normally does, um, that you feel you can manage them. So you notice that someday. So you've had some news that's let you down um, or there's a particular challenge and you notice that when it hits you, you feel like, oh, well, well that's OK, then I can manage that. Uh, and that helps when you're looking after yourself. I think in schools, just off that, Brian, we, we talk about that, you know, good mental health isn't feeling fantastic. It's it's hopefully not feeling, you know, really like you're struggling all the time either. But there, there's certain situations that are going to test us. And I think f for me and the work we do in schools, it's almost like, what can we do to help that? And actually, that to me is is, is managing your mental health, which which to me is, is, is being positive. doesn't mean we have all the answers to fix them, but it's that sort of mm. proactive step towards resolution, I think, is really important. Mm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, what affects my mood if I don't get enough vitamin D, I don't get enough sleep and I don't get those important social connections. So whether it's with family um, or friends, I just think it's really important that you do have those social connections. I actually get affected when there's not many people in the office because um, I miss them all, of course, but I, I love the interaction with everybody. So social connections is definitely number one for me.
what are the signs that someone is having challenges with their mental health? So we've t- already talked about impact of like behaviours mm-hmm. and moods. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody else got anything else to say? Well, I think that, yeah, it, it is that, that they're the most obvious signs, aren't they? If somebody's struggling a bit, if they're... If you if you're not able to sleep, if you're unable to concentrate at work, and if you're feeling a bit stressed out, someone who's normally quite boisterous and uh, talkative in the office, if they're very quiet, then we'll know. Like you, Nat, we'll know if you're having a bad day. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Those sorts of things, I guess. I think one of the things I'd say is as well. You know, it's a shame, but people are quite good at hiding it. Mm-hmm. So as well, you know. We, we have to be careful that, yes, there are signs, but actually I think people can be struggling, but they can put that front on. Overcompensate. And, uh, overcompensate. Yeah. And I think I think and it's something that we've been trying to do over the years is obviously, you know, break that stigma. But actually there is hopefully we're getting moving into a culture where people feel that they can talk about it, mm. even if they can potentially not show that, if that makes sense. There is a pressure on us all as well, isn't there, to be at our best all the time. and it's, And that's actually not easy to achieve. One of the things that I've noticed that's come along during the TikTok era um, is that people talk about having high-functioning anxiety or high-functioning depression, and it's often seen as, um, in a way, a positive thing or an ability of someone to mask what's really going on for them. But actually, that that's quite difficult um, because actually, like Nat's talked about, it is important to um, reach out to others, to spend time with others, not everyone is good for everything, but you can have the friend that you talk to about light stuff. You can have the person that you do practical things with, uh, the person who might be good for advice or maybe they're good for listening. So it's it's about rather than trying to seem high-functioning and cope on your own, Mental Health Awareness Week is very good for seeing who's the person that I can spend time with and who's good for what. Does anybody want to share a personal story of mental health or any mental health challenges? It's not really a challenge. It's just something that that I like to do to support my mental health, really. So I've I've found, obviously, you guys know, but but I do do a lot of running. And and for me, it started with running for times and trying to improve. But now I've realised it's just become such a staple part of my life. And, you know, through injury or or lifestyle choices that, that mean I can't do that, I just notice the impact it has on me. You know, once you release them endorphins, the body sort of expects them. Mm-hmm. And if, if you leave that, it can be, you know, um, quite a challenge. And I think whether it's running, you know, obviously we've, we've got a C-dip in Mental Health Awareness Week, whether it's being creative, playing a musical instrument, I think it's really important that people try to identify what works for them because it's certainly not one size fits all. But, but But equipping ourselves with them things that when we do have them tricky times, we've got that go-to of, you know, and it can be as simple as talking to a friend, a family member, or it could be, you know, an activity or that. But I, I do believe that's really important that people try and identify that because it definitely supports our mental no, health. I agree. From, uh, from a young age, it's finding your passion, isn't it? And then that sustains you through your life. Yeah, mine's projects and achievements. So it could be some, well, I used to be jigsaws, used to be really <laughs> addicted to jigsaws, but now it's doing <laughs> my ancestry. So I like to get really stuck into something and really see what the results are. And I, I like that. Uh, one time I was on a course and it was about how to manage anxiety really through exposure therapy. And the person that was doing the, the teaching was told, well, you should do it as well, so you should do it tonight, and I challenge you. So they did. So one of the things that they faced was to take something back at a restaurant. So we came back the next day, and they said that they had ordered a cocktail, and they had to say to the waiter, I don't like that, and to give it back. And so they had to face what's it like for that surge of emotion, that awkwardness that you have to do. 
um, just to ride out to tell them that they can have that emotion. It's awkward, but they can do that. And they did it. Uh, actually, the waiter said, yep, you're right, lots of people don't like that drink. And so <laughs> they, uh, they did do that for them. Uh, but it was a nice example of the emotion that comes with anxiety. We don't like it, but it is something that we can manage. So how can ILS and help those who are struggling? Well, we have a variety of services um, that people can access. We try to, I think when we started our listen, make our services as accessible as possible and make support as accessible as possible, be that the appropriate level for what people need. So we obviously have our school services, which, Steve, I'm guessing you'll talk a bit more about. Brian, you can talk through the, the therapeutic service. Nat, you can talk about our wellbeing solution service. Um, and sort of underpinning all of those as well, we have our website and we have our social media channels and our marketing communications, and we have a great range of resources and things on there that are able to support people as well which I think is really important because even though people may not need to actively engage with our services they're still able to access some support and some help um, if they did need it at any time. So the wellbeing solutions team um, we're three we're small but mighty Um, we have a range of training solutions for Um, whether it's a full day of a mental health well-being first aid course to one-hour bite-sized virtual courses. So depending on the the needs or the identified, the learning needs for mental health, um, we do a variety of ways of delivering it. And we're very flexible with that. So it's really accessible so we can do it virtually or face-to-face and at a mutually convenient time. Or you can pop along to one of our open courses, which is really good because we get a good variety of people from different industries and backgrounds. And it's great when people share stories and what worked well and what doesn't. So that's where I think we really want to try and empower people to learn about it so they can look after themselves and and others around them, whether it's in the workplace, the community or in the home. Um, We also provide a consultation service where we will provide uh, organisations with an audit so we can measure their well-being culture and see where we can identify where they can make changes and recommendations and we do follow-up to make sure we can measure the impact. So that's really important to make sure you've got that culture right so everyone feels valued, healthy and know where to go if they do need help. We also have an employee counselling service as well, um, which um, we're launching very shortly, but all the details are on our website if you are interested. So our therapeutic team um, is quite big, actually, so including trainees, around 12 of us in total. Um, we have a range of therapists, counsellors, psychotherapists, me, psychologist. Uh, the type of people that we see, we still try to target those where the difficulties have happened fairly recently. Uh, so a life event has happened, a change, or someone's not sure why it's happened, that they maybe feel down or maybe they have worries. Um, and what we're trying to do is target them at that point before things become worse. Um, and in that way, we call it intervening early. Um, so that's something that we've done in conjunction with our schools team. Typically, the therapy sessions can be for up to 12 appointments. Um, and we see people from the up to age 25. And um, as a schools team lead, obviously, we have a team that work in schools. I, I genuinely believe they're the most um passionate and competent team I've worked with, extremely dedicated to working with young people to support them. And we work in primary and secondary schools. 
our primary offering at the moment is currently trying to do fun interactive sessions around what we feel are sort of four key areas which is emotional literacy self-esteem positive relations and coping strategies how people can deal with them more tricky emotions that's going really really well we get great feedback from the young people very fun very interactive which is great in secondary schools we basically have two services if you like within that secondary school offering the first is where we do classroom sessions workshops and drop-ins or group work and the idea around that is to try and work with these young people when potentially they don't really need them skills we're trying to equip them now so that when things um, are needed they've they've got them there but then we also have our one-to-one listening service as well so that's where a referral can be made into ourselves we will then assess that young person and then work with them between sort of four and six sessions on sort of low-level CBT techniques to try and figure out what that goal is and and work with them to, to to do that One of the things we have introduced um, and and expanded on is our our drop-ins. So, you know, as as an offering, we know that working with young people is is at the heart of what we do. But actually, we do have parents, we do have carers, we do have teachers that we feel that if we can support them, then there's a more chance of a a positive outcome for that young person. So we have drop-ins twice a month, one in Castletown, one in Douglas, and they're a great opportunity to come and see Brian and his team as senior therapists and have that face-to-face interaction because often a parent or a teacher just needs a conversation um, to be able to move forward or if they do need our service or another service, we can provide that support or signpost to where they need to go. And all the dates are on our website for the (laughs) drop-ins. Okay, let's talk about Mental Health Awareness Week and what we're doing. So um, the Wellbeing Solutions team are providing virtual bite-sized training on things like eco-anxiety, financial well-being, mind and menopause, um, looking after yourself and others, which is our face-to-face half-day course. Um, We're also going to be delivering some lunch and learns at Santander's new work cafe, which is very swanky. Um, So if you are around between 12 and 1 on Tuesday and Thursday, we will be there and come and see us and learn something about mental health. Yeah, and I think it all kicks off for us on Sunday morning in Ramsey at nine o'clock where we're having our one of our now regular sea dips. Um, Steve mentioned how good sea dipping is for your mental health and we've got a, a great number of supporters who love doing this and, and also helping raise money for us and awareness of the cause. So, so that's great. We will be in Ramsey, hopefully in this lovely weather on uh, Sunday morning. A great number of... Uh, the great thing about our team is... We all turn out for these yep. events to support. And family as well. And, and yeah. family. If you work for a charity, your family also works for the charity. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing to see that, yeah, our, our, our regular guys are all, when we left the office this afternoon, see you on Sunday. And that's that's such a nice thing that we all go above and beyond the, for the course. And uh, um, what else is there, Annabelle? We've got Curry and Chat next Friday as well. Um, that's a, a new initiative we're running this year. Um, that's in collaboration with Leela's Kitchen. Um, and they are a lunchtime session, a dinner session being held at St. Matthew's Church Hall um, in Douglas. And again, all details and how to book that is on our website. It's going to be a great event um, and something completely new for us. So yeah, come along and join. It's going to be great. From a school's perspective, we encourage all schools to get involved with the week. Um, all our services are, are free free of charge in schools and we don't necessarily want to change that. But actually, if there are any fundraising activity, you know, um, some schools will go green for us. Nat's modelling our 
badges that we've based around. Um, she's currently wearing the Anxiety Sucks badge. So the idea of that is to try and remove that stigma and actually, you know, open that conversation. Um, and yeah, we leave that open to schools. You know, any fundraising activity is very much appreciated, but also as well, we'll, we'll host some drop-ins um, and we'll obviously have our, our, our functioning listening service and wellbeing facilitators in there doing drop-ins and, and group work as well. And on Saturday the 20th, uh, Steve will be joining me at Balakameen Sixth Form Lecture Room to do an introduction, a kind of uh, taster course on something called a space program. So it's a book that we recommend often that's over from Yale in the States. And it's how to work with parents directly so that they can support their children with anxiety and also OCD. So it's a chance for them to know more about the theory, some tips of how they can get started. And if they want to, they can sign up to be one of the first to join our course. And to sign up from that, it is on our website. So if you go to our website, there's a banner at the front. Click on that. Um, it's free of charge. And, you know, it's been really well received so far. So we're, we're really looking forward to that. Yeah. And website is www.rlisten.im. There is lots of organisations out there that really support us and um, there's lots been in touch with us and they're doing bake sales, they're wearing something green. Um, so we, we really are appreciative of everything that everybody does for the charity and it all goes in that pot to help people with mental health struggles. I think one of the important things about Mental Health Awareness Week, it's, um, you know, it's really great to be out there with the public and, and looking at new ways to do things and carrying on the services, getting them to more people. But one of the most important things from Mental Health Awareness Week for us as a charity is fundraising. Um, the fundraising and support of the community and, and businesses is so important to us. And it is literally what keeps us going and keeps our services available for the Isle of Man. Our school services are delivered free of charge um, to the people and to the schools as well they don't pay anything for them that's to try and make sure that they are as accessible as possible our therapy service for under 25s is also provided free of charge for those who need it as well um, and as I'm sure people can imagine that is an expensive um, service to run but it's such a vital one um, and we're seeing higher referrals than ever at the moment so we really need to make sure we keep that going so it's so important that we um, get the support of the community behind us and we can't thank everybody enough for the ongoing support we've had since our listen launched. Who typically suffers from mental health challenges? Well, that's, I think that's quite an easy one to answer, isn't mm -hmm. it? We, we all suffer with mental health challenges, some daily, some less regularly, um, but I think we all do at some time, don't we, Brian? Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> true. Um, so the idea of mental health challenges as a phrase is that, yeah, life isn't always great. So there's different stresses, there's different surprises, um, things that can happen to those around us or to us. Um, so there's lots of changes that happen. So these challenges uh, we're faced with, uh, sometimes they can be too much. So however our mind is working that day or that week sometimes feels a bit harder, sometimes feels a bit easier. Um, as we all know, it affects everyone. So it's important that people can say it's a tough day, it's a tough week. Um, it's also okay to say, wow, that's been a tough week, but for some reason that was okay. I was able to do that and that helps as well. I suppose it all comes down to simple things like typical life events so whether it's a, a, the death of a family member um, or a loss of a job there's all sorts of things that happen every day in everyone's lives so we have some good days and we have some bad days and sometimes we have more than the other and that sometimes can be the challenge that we're faced
Mm-hmm. And I mean, in schools, one of the the sessions that we teach is actually it can even be the small things that happen in life. You can go to put your cereal out in the morning to have breakfast before you go to school or to work, and there's no milk in to have that. And actually, that can be a negatively impactful thing on your day because it throws off the thing the plan that you had in place. So it's you know even things that are perceived to be very small can be a challenge, and it's just how we overcome those and adapt and maybe have some toast instead. <laughs> One of the things I would say on this is, and Annabelle, we talk about this at great length, is that we've noticed that some of our safeguarding concerns are of a very serious nature. And for me, it's it's devastating sometimes to see what these young people are going through at such young ages. So sometimes that can be at primary school age or secondary school age. And actually, they've actually probably been through more than what I've been through in my whole adult life mm-hmm. than they have in, in, in the early years. So we're constantly reminded of the fact that everyone has their challenges mm-hmm. um, and, and we're just here to try and do our best to support them with that. Absolutely. That's kind of the sobering part of Mental Health Awareness Week, isn't it? So yeah. you're taking it from one end of the spectrum to the other, um, which you've just very nicely done, Steve. Thank you. So going to something really pop, uh, really positive, what are your top tips for keeping mentally healthy? What do you do to boost your mental health? OK, I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> just try and stop it. <laughs> um, Yes, vitamin D is definitely my go-to and we talk a lot about colours and how they affect you and obviously greens and blues are really good for our mood. So I stick to, obviously we've got lots of green on the island and blue at times in the sky or in the sea, so um, walking is really, really good for my mental health. Um, So definitely do that. I love getting out to walk my dog. Very lucky that we live on such a beautiful place where there's so many, you know, amazing places just five minutes from our homes um so getting out with him is a lovely thing to do i'm very lucky that i've got a fantastic family and great group of friends so spending time with them is really important to me um and from a personal perspective i love to cook at the end of what might be a difficult week so cooking and baking um that's kind of where i find a bit of calm at the end of a tough week and we got to sample those early this week they were lovely <laughs> delicious <laughs> I think for me, echoing what Nat said, really, I love being outdoors. I love when the weather's good, like to, like today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, blue skies out in the in the hills, by the sea, on the beach, um, and also what Annabelle said. You know, I'm um, a bit of a pain pain to be sending lots of voice messages to my friends. I like to stay connected, um, checking in with my family. It's really important to me, and I think we, you know, just need to try and figure out what it is that that, that supports us because uh, and, and keep doing it really. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Uh, So one of the things I think is important when thinking about tips in terms of how to look after ourselves is that everyone is currently doing the best that they can with the tools that they've got. So it's important that when you hear about other tools and tips, you can think, well, uh, I might as well try them. So whether it's an indoor thing or an outdoor thing, a lot of research says that whatever you do, it's better if you can do that with someone. Uh, if that someone is also a pet, that also counts. That's good. Um, and we know that that improves our symptoms and also improves our relationships. Okay. I think also having a self-audit now and again and a bit of reflection is good. So, you know, look what's going on in your life, what's going good and what's maybe not so going good and maybe think about how you can improve that and break it down into small chunks so it's more achievable that's always good reflection is always good um, to see whether what worked and what didn't work I think it changes as well doesn't it because for me what works for me right now if someone told me what I've just said 10 years ago they'd be like 
gosh, you, gosh, you've changed because our circumstances change, our situations change, mm-hmm. we change as people, and you know it's it's constantly actually if you know just just being open to it, isn't it? Like you said, Brian. Mm. So. And also, your resilience is different as well, isn't it? And adapting as well. I think even small things like in the summer, yeah, this time of year, it's great to get out after work and go to the beach, and that's lovely. But actually, in December, I don't so much relish going to the beach with my dog because it's raining and it's cold and it's dark. So it's finding other things to do in those times. Um, when you may not be feeling so keen to get outside and face the elements. Absolutely. So how can people access our charity services? Well, we've got a website. We have. That's really, really good. Lots of resources on there um, about all sorts of different subjects for all different ages. Um, so we've got that there and that's all good. We've got all details of the courses and all the, the events that we have if you want to get involved. So please visit our website. We also have a school section as well. Mm-hmm. So if anyone wants to know more about what we do in schools, please please visit that, our website, and you'll see the schools link. If there any parents listening and they've got a young person that they think may benefit from um, you know, any of our services in schools, you know, they can speak to a teacher or self-refer. Um, all that information is on our website as well. We are also on other media, so we're on LinkedIn, Facebook as well. But if you see us at, at any of our events... Um, especially if we have a stall. Um, We're happy to talk about what the service is. Um, Lots of the time people tell us, oh, I didn't know you did that, or this is coming up, that's interesting, I didn't know. So if you see us there, then, um, yeah, speak to us. And also we have our drop-ins where people can come in. So parents, it's open to teachers as well, can come in and ask for advice. If people are wondering, how worried should I be? We'll tell you. We'll give you some tools and advice to go away with and refer you on to ourselves or to somewhere else if necessary. And of course, we have the old fashioned telephone, um, which is 679118. And we have uh, lovely people who answer our phone. It's really important, actually, when you're feeling quite brave enough to reach out to somebody and make a phone call. It's a really difficult thing to do. So we pride ourselves on having the lovely Dawn, Ellie or Brett answering the phone, who will put you in touch with whoever you need to speak to within the service. And just a little um, comment from me at the end, really. Our listen has grown from being a really small charity to a big charity on the island over three years and this amazing team of people which amounts to about 35 so still quite a small team is doing some really brilliant work with great passion in the workplace in schools just generally with parents and young people and the thing that makes us very special is we change if we see the need to change or introduce a new service or react to something that desperately needs to be done we're brave enough to put ourselves out there and try and put it in place with the right evidence behind it and the right level of professionalism and training to support it so it makes us a unique service and all the people around this table are very proud of it but the whole team there would would are exactly the same and if yeah. as, as Brian said if you ever come across any one of us we're only too happy to talk about what we do and be guided by you as to how we can make it better agree with that totally okay now let's reveal our song choices that represent different moods and challenges um so my my song that gives me energy good friday you know feeling vibes or get on the dance floor vibes is b52's love shack yeah love that (laughs) yeah if i'm wanting to decompress on the way to work or from home or going home from work um 
and think about things. I love the Guns N' Roses song, Patience. You wondered I was going to put something else then, didn't you? (laughs) Uh, Another one where I don't necessarily agree with the lyrics, it's more the melody, and I just find it so soothing and calm, is... Hotel California by the Eagles. Mm. Absolutely adore that one because it's really long and I've got quite a long drive home, so it's really good. And the song that I have a connection with and why, now the reason why I've got a connection with this song is because it reminds me of a time when my family were all together, you know, when we were younger, and mum and dad split up years ago, but, you know, when we were all together. And I think it was our first family holiday to Torremolinas. So I would have been about seven, eight, and my brother would have been about three or four, I think it was more three. Anyway, at the time, Joe Dolce had a song called I Shut Up Your Face. (laughs) Now, my mum thought the song was really irritating, so my dad thought it was funny to go out to the shops while we were in Spain to buy it on vinyl, a single vinyl, and brought it home. And we used to play it, and she used to go, oh, I can't stand that song, and we'd be all sniggering and laughing. So that was really, really good. So that really connected with that, and I actually played it at my wedding reception just to surprise her. So it just, it just brings back that little funny family fuzzy moment that we had. So yeah, I shut up your face. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my song that makes me happy and that I love to listen to while I'm cooking or walking the dog, sounds like that's all I ever do with my time, <laughs> um, is Aretha Franklin and George Michael, I Knew You Were Waiting For Me. I just think it's an amazing song and it just makes me happy every single time I hear it. Um, a song that... I listen to when I want to be reflective is one that I have listened to non-stop since it came out um, and it's just been sort of constant in my life is a, a Bonnie Vare song called Restacks and it's just a song that really resonates with me um, for the lyrics and I just find uh, the, the music lovely as well. Um, a calming song for me that I listen to a lot um, is Keaton Henson, Petrichor. It's just a really nice instrumental song, just some nice piano that I just, you know, if I'm working or anything and I just need a bit of space, I just find it a lovely song to listen to. Um, and a song I really connect with on a deep level. It sounds really cheesy, but it was the uh, song that I had as the first dance at my wedding uh, with my husband. And it's the Black Keys, Walk Across the Water. And it's just a song that has been again, a constant through our relationship for the last 10 years. And it just reminds me of him and, and um, how lucky I am to have a lovely person in my life as well. So I've got the first one in terms of the one that makes me happy or energises me or definitely boosts my mood. Um, does not boost the mood of people around me, though, <laughs> is uh, Saturday's Mega Mix. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Headphones only for the Saturday's Megamix. Uh, I do like other Megamixes. Um, <laughs> like all Megamixes. That's my favourite. That's true. Um, in terms of a song to perhaps be a bit more reflective, uh, I thought this was difficult, but I was thinking about songs that come in in movies where it's suddenly very stale or something changes, and it might make you feel a bit sad, but um, it, it feels like it pulls you in a bit. So that was Everybody Hurts by R.E.M., Song, great song. Yeah. In terms of one that calms me, I might conjure this song in my head rather than play it. Um, And there's obviously different versions of it as well. So in terms of one that might be calming, "Perfect Day" by Lou Reed. Mm, Great song. 
and in terms of one that I might connect with on some deep level um, is also one that we sung as part of the Rainbow Choir last year with some members of I Listen, which yeah. is uh, This Is Me from The Greatest yeah. Showman. I just think it's a really nice song that uh, when you hear it more, you connect with it more, has different meanings. It's nice for anyone that's maybe felt uh, different from other people for whatever reason, different points in their life. Um, and uh, it was really nice when we sung it together. There was ticker tape, so that was good. Oh, even better. No, I agree with that. It's a great yeah, song. I love that Fantastic. Too. So I'm going to go with a song that um, calms me if I'm potentially feeling anxious or nervous is Joni Mitchell, Calif- California. Um, Blue is one of my favourite albums. I just love that woman. I think she's got a voice like an angel. And um, I put that on. It makes me feel good. I sing along in definitely the wrong key. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think whenever there's always a time to, to put that album and that particular song on for me. And um, yeah, it helps. <laughs> the one that makes me feel happy and energised, I'm showing my age here, is uh, Leo Sayer, who make me feel like dancing. I love oh, that song. Yeah. Big Leo Sayer fan. The next one is one that makes me feel... Reflective. Reflective. Is, is one, is an instrumental actually, and it's meant to be for guitar, but I love it on brass instrument, and it's uh, Rodrigo's Concerto Dranwith. Um, and which is lovely played on by a brass band. We're a bit of a brass band family, and we have that particular um, tune played at my dad's funeral. Um, but it doesn't make me feel sad. It makes me feel reflective and think of him. So I, I do love that piece of music. Comes When I'm Anxious is probably my all-time favourite song, which is Bridge Over Troubled Water by um, Simon and Garfunkel. And the last one is one that connect with on a deep level. Is another Eagles song. I think Nat said Hotel California was mine is Peaceful, Easy Feeling. Um, I love that song and it uh, has very special meaning to me. It reminds you what amazing songs are out there, doesn't it? When you listen to everything. I always, I, I used to listen to a lot of Simon Garfunkel growing up, and I used to love that song. And then love it. my my uncle said to me once, he goes, "Have you heard Elvis's version?" And I listened to it, and I was like, "Yeah, it's it's not the same, it's not the same." And he said to me once, he goes, "One day you'll get it." Yeah. And and do you know what? I, I probably do now in a way. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what Brian does with the Saturdays. Yeah, that's what you do, don't you? <laughs> 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 it's really rough. <laughs> <laughs> Higher, it's just such a great song. <laughs>